0: If you like our podcast and you want to help support the show, please rate, comment, and subscribe. Also, you can donate to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Happening, Or you can donate to us directly via PayPal. All those links can be found in the show notes. And now, it's time to know what's happening. Yeah! Hey, what's happening? This is Shane, and it's just me. Well, just me in terms of, you know, not my co host, because I, I shoot her away. Um, but yeah, so I'm here with uh, some great guests. Hey, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of creepy. We're right, right behind you. You better not make any sudden movements or we're going to stab you in the neck. Um, anyway, so we're here with uh, Daniel and Robert of Actual Anarchy.
1: And uh, how are you guys doing? Hey, man, what's up? Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, no problem. Thank you for coming on. Um, yeah,
1: me too. Thanks for having me on. I, I had to remove the joke background just for a second there. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Um, so kind of just uh, explain to the folks, you know, what actual anarchy is and, you know, how that whole podcast went, you know, started and all that good stuff.
2: And yeah. Sure. Yeah. So. We started the podcast what a couple of years ago, Daniel, you probably have a better idea of exactly when. But I know I wanted to start a podcast just having conversations with my buddy, Daniel. We've known each other forever. And, um, you know, it was a I moved away and it was a good way to still connect with him. And we had all these ideas about, you know, the world and comments on culture and society Mm -hmm. itself. And so we just started talking and having a podcast and it was in the beginning it was more political I would say it was more kind of like intro to anarchy that kind of stuff kind of angry anarchy a little bit but then it kind of just morphed and evolved into a movie review show and uh, I think what's unique about ours show obviously it's from an anarchist perspective but you could watch any movie review And you'll get them talking about character and story and plot and all those things, but you're never going to hear them talk about economics or like the NAP and who's at fault here morally and that kind of thing. And that's kind of where I really enjoy delving into movies and seeing if characters are actually behaving morally and, If the if the if the the economics of the movie is even remotely, remotely realistic at all. I mean, we've talked about movies that are painfully flawed economically. They're still good movies. But yeah, you're just not going to hear that from anywhere else. So I think if you want to hear economic talk, uh, yeah, come to us. Yeah,
1: I'll echo some of that. Uh, And when we first started out, we were called the Reed Rothbard Podcast. And then we, about 10 episodes in, just started relating things to movies to kind of like put a finer point on it or to give an example. Mm -hmm. And so that's what kind of gave us the idea to stick with movies. And the concept is basically, we're introducing these ideas of economics, Austrian economics, libertarian philosophy, the NEP, and fitting it into the frame of a movie that people have already seen or might be familiar with, and it's a way of introducing these ideas and help helping make them stick a little bit. So it's a little bit subversive in nature, and uh, we've been doing it what for three years now, and uh, we're now called the Actual Anarchy Podcast. And we have another version called the Last Nighters, and you can get it on on uh, both of those websites, and also the Last Nighters version on the la- on on the Launchpad Media where they're always launching new ideas in your direction.
0: <laughs> that's a good plug.
1: <laughs> as we say.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I know I was on your guys' show uh, a while back talking about police story, my favorite film ever. And I know you guys had some, uh, some thoughts. We'll just say that I know you um, didn't have as ba- a good of a uh, um, reaction to it as I did, but that's totally okay. Uh but yeah, it was a lot of fun being on your show Kind of because I hadn't really thought about it in that type of perspective. So it was definitely interesting to hear what you guys had to say when it came to. I mean, obviously, when you're talking about a film about the police, I mean, it's about as, you know, not as anarchy as you can get, you know. So it was pretty interesting to see what you guys had to say.
1: Yeah, um, I'll make a, I'll make a link to it. Um, just actualanarchy.com slash HAPA. So H-A-P-A, um, all lowercase. And then people can get your appearance on our show. Not Hans Hermann Hapa, right? No, um, no but we're fans <laughs>
0: yeah it's it, it's funny that some you know i mean i guess i don't know i really know like i haven't de- delved uh too deep into Hoppe in in his uh philosophy and all that stuff but i mean from what i've read so far it's definitely pretty interesting uh i don't know i just it's funny that i see people saying that he's too radical or too um like he's too far i guess um I don't know, what what do you say about that and people that kind of
1: say about that about him? I think uh, usually it's people who kind of misinterpret what he's saying or just cherry pick uh, out of context and just look at like one segment of the point he's making and Mm -hmm. leave out the other part. And uh, they don't really have a strong argument against it. So they go straight into just ad homing it uh, or him and just saying it's you know bigoted or racist or or whatever, without actually considering what the point of the idea is. Hmm, sounds like uh, the usual then,
0: like on pretty, social
1: media. Pretty yeah. standard, really. <laughs> yeah, everybody's cherry
0: picking and saying, see, this this person said that, and then you get, well, if you look into more of the context, they were saying
1: in this context, yeah, well, you know, still, still bad. <laughs> right, and the, and the great thing about him is that he builds his argument methodically and logically. Uh, so really, if you go through the entire argument, there's really nothing uh, that you can actually refute because he backs up every statement. Well, there you go. That, that's good that he backs that stuff up. So
0: um, like the good rap song, back that thing up. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. Um, so I actually wanted to ask you guys, since you are the, I guess, like I was saying earlier that like the movie type podcast, at least you are now, like you say, you, you didn't start out that way, but it kind of just evolved into that, which is pretty cool. Um, so I actually kind of wanted to have your guys' opinion on some news stories relating to that. And so this first story that I want to show you guys, and it's, it's actually something I've been thinking about too. So like I was saying, as well, I was interested in hearing what you guys had to say about it. But this first news story is from the uh, LA times. So kind of take that however you want. But anyway, uh, movie theaters face existential threat from COVID-19 and without new movies, it's over. So just from that headline alone, like, do you kind of agree with that statement? Like, do you think, you know, because obviously with the with the lockdowns and, and all the economic collapse that you've been seeing with all this COVID shit or whatever, um movie theaters have definitely been hit the hardest, not the hardest, but definitely been hit as one of the biggest industries have been hit hard. And, you know, I know like movie theaters where I live, there some of them are still been closed for months now. And, and I was kind of thinking about this too, where whenever they do, like whenever they all start opening up again, say all of them open up. I don't know, just for example, like in August or something, it wouldn't surprise me if the, movie ticket prices went up to kind of make up for some of the money that they've lost so they hadn't made or whatever. Uh do you kind of see that happening too
2: or do you think I'm crazy or what do you think about that? Well I think this COVID situation has kind of just accelerated the death of movie theaters. Um the streaming services are being just exploding. Uh with all the new content and people are really throwing their weight behind them, but that was the trend already. Mm -hmm. Um, theaters, I, I I'm kind of surprised that they're still even a thing, although they are kind of hard to like immediately convert into something else. Like you can't just turn a movie theater right into like office space or something. So they'll probably just be empty, like mall type situation things for the immediate future. Um, yeah, I think they'll just sit empty for quite a while. I, I there's, there's one near me. Well, the, the nearest one to me is open. It has one employee and it, from a certain part of the day, it just sells takeout popcorn. Wow. That's all it does. So you, you can't imagine you're making any money doing that, yeah. making a few dollars, maybe keeping the lights on, but I don't think you're making mortgage payments with that. I, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't really see a future for theaters, Daniel. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a struggling thing
1: for a long time with the government imposed lockdowns, which is killing a lot of businesses. It's just going to accelerate the collapse of something that was kind of on its way out anyway. Though surprisingly, um, drive-ins are sort of making a comeback. Those have been dying for a long, long time. And I've heard that even Walmarts are turning their parking lots into these impromptu drive-in theaters. As a way to provide entertainment for people to, you know, because people are cooped up and uh, really looking for things to go out and do. But the other side of this uh, question might be, well, with all these lockdowns and limitations on travel and production of movies, that might be what they're referring to as well. Because if you can't actually create new films, then there's not going to be new content to be putting out there into the theaters at all anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then beyond that, any film that had already been produced and would have been released around this time of year, they're actually releasing it, um, various services call it different things, but it's basically like cinema at home. So you pay like the movie ticket price, but then you can watch it at home earlier than when it would normally go for rental or for purchase. Uh, so the price is like $20 and you're essentially renting it for like a 48 hour period, but then you can watch it at home and you can pause it and you can watch it again or whatever you want. I mean, the convenience is just so much better. Uh, you're at home, which I, I find um, I've only been to the theater once in the last 10 years and I do a movie review show. <laughs> uh, and the, the only one I went to was Joker and I saw it on IMAX and it was probably the week after it uh, came out and was like a big deal. Yeah. And, and we knew we wanted to do an episode on it cause it was like a hot thing. And I was one of maybe a half dozen people in the whole theater. Hmm. So even a hot movie like that, I mean, it was the biggest movie of the year last year, I think it grossed over a billion dollars. And even that didn't fill the seats even after the first week. So that just shows Hmm. you the model of theaters is really struggling. And I've heard that they don't make much money on the actual movie ticket itself. They make the money on the concessions and things like that. So Uh as much as movie tickets are these days, and it was like $20 to, to go in and just sit and watch the movie um, they didn't make much on me at all because I didn't buy any beverages or popcorn or anything. Hmm. But they got to get butts in the seats to make any money. And they, they were already struggling. and then with the you know the governors making their uh, proclamations, basically, yeah starving them of any revenue, uh, they'd be lucky to survive it. Do you think maybe they would uh, raise the concession? prices
0: then and instead of the movie tickets, like you said, cause they don't make them, you know, they don't make the money from the movie tickets they make it from the concessions.
1: I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, you raise yeah. the price, you're going to reduce the amount of people who are going to sit in those seats and then the convenience of having it at home. I mean, there's no putting that genie back in the bottle. You know, mm. people are going to want to have, oh, you know, I've got a home theater system, a big screen at home. Uh, I can sit on my own couch. I can make my own popcorn for like pennies on the dollar. I can drink a beer uh, while watching a movie, you know, and, and that's like a novelty thing. There's, there's been a few um, like theaters that have sprung up that you can actually have adult beverages. Uh, and I know that's kind of like a, you know, it stands out. And, and it's funny because it's like one of those things where there's a, a lesser regulation or they're getting around to regulations of preventing other, um, other theaters from doing that. And so it's like, it's a draw. It's like a competitive advantage uh, by being able to get over that regulation. Hmm. Um, so it kind of makes it stand out a little bit. But I, I think even those ones are struggling or would continue to struggle, even after the uh, pandemic is kind of over.
2: Yeah, this whole thing reminds me of the video codes of the 80s and 90s. And then when the home arcade consoles, the home consoles came out, people stopped going. You can yeah, still get a better experience maybe at the arcade with some some games, like, you know, you're actually getting on top of a motorcycle and making the right. moves in a car or whatever. But the vast majority of people preferred to play at home with their friends over and over again for just a set price that you could pay and then play it infinitely. So it just seems like the the wave of the future to get away from these big, big, big box uh, movie experiences. Although, like Daniel's saying, there is that way for them to remain competitive and at least get some people like maybe we'll just see fewer and fewer theaters offering more and more. Bells and whistles to actually change the experience, like with the vibrating seats or the smells, or the 3D, or the being able to drink beer or eat food in the in the in the seats.
0: Okay, let's take a minute to thank our sponsor, Libertarian Country. Libertarian Country is your place for all of your Liberty apparel needs. They have t-shirts, mugs, bottle openers, beer koozies, books, and many more. Use our promo code HOPA. H-A-P-A for 10% off your order. Again, that's promo code HAPA for 10% off. Thanks, Libertarian Country, and thank you for your support. Well, they kind of experimented with 3D, and it's kind of been hit and miss, I think, for a lot of theaters. But, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think they probably would start experimenting, possibly. But, yeah, like, like you were saying with the arcades and then with the home consoles kind of destroying the arcade industry, and then with streaming services like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and, and all the rest, they've kind of been just you know destroying the the theater market. Uh, but I guess for some people, like, there's just that experience of just going to a movie theater, kind of you know getting the snacks or whatever. There's I don't know, there's something about that where I think some people will still want to experience that. So I don't think I don't think movie theaters will die out completely, but I think there's definitely going to be some some fallout for sure. I mean, it's already been, we've already been seeing that, you know, I mean, well, a lot of the big name directors have been making movies on streaming services, you know? So I, I mean, I don't know. I, Cause I think the, the, the biggest movie I believe as of now, in terms of this year, I don't know if I can't remember if it was, if it was worldwide box office or just American box office. So I know I'm hundred percent on the details, but it was like bad boys for life, you know? So, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how, what the, you know, how that's going to, I think it was only like maybe two hundred or three hundred million dollars or something like that. I can't remember. I, I kind of wish I looked it up beforehand, but I just remember seeing that detail like in a, in a second. It's being like, "That's that's kind of interesting." Like they just put that movie out right there. Oh, whew. all right, we got it out. Whew, thank goodness, because you see all these movies being delayed. You know, like Mulan keep being delayed. Uh, I think like uh, the the new uh, Fast and the Furious movies keep getting delayed and all that
2: stuff. And it's just, I don't know. Well, <laughs> didn't that uh, Trolls movie that went straight to streaming services do really, really well, make a ton of money. I,
0: I think so. Yeah. I think in terms of like the rent and all that, it was like, yeah, I think
1: so. Yeah. That was that cinema at home thing. So it was like $20 for a 48 hour period of watching it. Hmm. And they, uh, they made a lot of money doing that. I mean, think of it as a consumer. I mean, the, the cost for the entertainment hour is, has gone down dramatically. The ease of use has gone up dramatically. Uh, I mean, as a consumer, even without the accelerant of this, uh, COVID-19 stuff, I mean, it it was kind of like on its way anyway. And for me, I mean, I have at my fingertips probably five or 10,000 movies just available to watch at any time. Uh, some of them are, you know, monthly subscription, other ones, uh, I've purchased the licensing rights to be able to stream them. Uh, Robert's got access to a lot of those, uh, Mm -hmm. through, um, Uh, a a service that we use. Uh, And then anything beyond that, I can just rent for a couple of bucks. I mean, I don't have to go to the theater uh, even, even before all this. So it's, it's actually been pretty beneficial as far as being entertained.
2: And if you are worried about the virus or any other virus, or you're just a complete shut in like Daniel and he's growing his fingernails long (laughs) and he's in jars, then uh, yeah, it works out perfect for you.
0: And could you imagine if they had to put those, um, I don't know if you've seen those in the bathrooms when you when you go to the bathroom and they have those little like glass or plastic dividers or whatever right next to the stalls. What if they start doing that with the seats? Like that'd be uh, kind of that wouldn't that be kind of weird? Just
2: like, man, uh, this is a weird ass world we're living in now with these weird ass dividers. whatever happened to just people spreading germs to each other and then developing immune systems to resist those germs? Uh, it seems like that was the normal for all of human history
0: that, that's the thing though i like like with covid everyone's been flipping out and i mean i, I can understand that because it's kind of it's a, it's a new you know virus or whatever you know so i can i can understand people kind of being afraid of it but at the same time it's just i mean like here in texas it's you know they they, they did just now did the you know they locked or they did some order or whatever they had to, uh but there's so many dumb loopholes in there like, you know, you have to wear a mask, but it's only in a public space, and you got to be six – if you can't have be six feet apart or whatever, and it's just – then why even make the order in the first place if you're just going to be all this loophole bullshit? It's just – come on. Just, you know, I don't know. The whole thing's just dumb, I think. Well, and if masks really do work, then, you know, let's open everything up. Well, I think – well, with the mask thing, I think I, I've seen some – studies or reports saying that the cloth masks don't really do anything. It's like the, it's like the medical grade specific type of mask that will do anything of, of anything or whatever, you know, but I mean, who knows? I mean, they kept flip-flopping. I mean, I mean the who didn't they just say, Oh yeah, wear a mask. And then, or before they said, don't wear a mask. And now they're saying, wear a mask. And then they said, Oh, you have to wear in- a mask inside. And then I was just saying, well, only a matter of time until you, you got to wear a mask inside your own house. Cause this is how crazy it's going to get, you know? So, I don't know. Yeah. No, for sure. Maybe that's a good thing that Trump, uh, as of now, has gotten out of the World Health Organization. We'll see how long that lasts. Right, the next administration, we're gonna go. We're gonna go back into the WHO. Like if Biden becomes president, he'll do all the re. re uh, you know, all the uh, all the mistakes that Trump did. Like Trump was doing all the mistakes Obama did, and he's gonna blah, 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 blah. who knows? I don't. know. Maybe Joe Jorgensen
1: become president?
0: Yeah, right. But anyway, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. No. No malarkey. <laughs> yeah. That's what we need. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's interesting how they they kept flip flopping and and there are all these different uh kind of conflicting research and and news stories coming out, and it's mm-hmm. like it really politicized the whole issue. And I I think everything's been politicized so much oh, yeah, these days, and everyone cherry picks what supports their preconceived view, and everyone's in these social media echo chambers. And it seems like the divide between the the two sides is actually widening significantly. And I'm I'm a proponent of, you know, let's break it up. You know, if we're, if we're not ever going to see things the same way, why are we stuck together? Let's, let's move on. Let's live our own lives. I'd break it down to the individual, but I'd, I'd be happy if there was a, a divide in the, you know, left coast elites or the, or the coastal elites kind of doing their own thing. And, and the rest of us uh, country bumpkins kind of doing our own thing and, you know, let, let people have the choice.
0: I mean, you kind of see that, right. With the, the, like you were saying with the COVID thing, I mean, with anything really. So wouldn't just, let's just separate, you know, but the thing that they don't, they don't want that because they want to be a part of that whole, they want to be a part of the whole system. They want the federal government to be what they want, you know? So when you say hey, maybe we should just secede or whatever, they're like, no, I don't, I don't want that because then I won't get the, you know, the taxes and all the dumb, you know, whatever. I don't know. Just, I mean, I think that's the that's probably the best option, right? It's just, I mean, obviously, a, a left winger or some, like you were saying, some coastal elite isn't gonna be on the same page as someone who, you know, like a conservative in Tennessee or something like that. You know, they're never gonna see eye to eye hardly, you know. So, I don't know. I, I think, I just think se- secession would just be the best option. But then if you say that, then I guess you're a bigot or whatever. I don't know.
2: That's why we need to make it a black trans secessionary movement. And then we, Black Lives heads- Matter? Come on now. No, just a black trans secessionary movement. Then they can't oppose it and they can't support it. And then just heads explode. And it'd be great. Hmm. Well,
0: now, that, now you got that into people's heads and they're going to, that's going to blow up.
2: Literally. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, I don't know. The, the whole thing is crazy. I, I mean, so I guess in terms of just the coronavirus, since we're kind of on that topic or whatever, um, did you? I don't know if you saw the there. Out of all the places that I, I I think had like some of the best political commentary on coronavirus was actually from Red Letter Media, and they. It, I can't remember what it was. One of their most recent videos, I think it was the Neil Breen episode they did recently. And the first five minutes or so, they always do like this cold open type of thing. You know, they're talking, whatever. So in this one, they're saying, hey, you need to like, why aren't you, like Mike's like, why aren't you wearing a mask? And all?" And Jay's like, because I'm social differencing, whatever. And he's like, no, it's social distancing, you moron. You know, and it's just going back and forth and saying, well, I heard that mask do this. He's like, well, actually, I heard that mask do this. And it's like, it's the perfect, it's just so perfect, like how everything is. You know, everybody's just going, through each other. They're not talking at all. I mean, I went into some uh, comments or whatever saying someone was happy that their County was mandating masks. Everybody has to wear a mask in a the business. They're all happy. Yeah. I'm glad that we're being told what to do and all this stuff and all that. And I was just like, so what's the penalty then? if We don't wear a mask Is it fines jail. Like what is it here? And then you see later on or some stories that is saying, well, actually, they did put something where if you don't wear a mask, you can get up to a thousand dollar fine or like 30 days in jail.
1: And that's crazy. Like, I don't know yeah. if you see those stories or not, but that's that's crazy. You know, that's it's oh, worse here. It's 90 days in jail, I think. And like a five thousand dollar fine, something like that. Jeez. And, you know, the the good news is I was just in town the other day, got some groceries and I had a mask. I didn't put it all the way on because I was just like, all right, they're going to require it. I don't want to like. I'll go with the path of of least resistance up to a point. Yeah. But I talked to three different people and they were all, yeah, this is total bullshit. Like this is ridiculous. And it was very heartening to kind of see that people are kind of at least around here are starting to realize or be vocal about how, you know, this, this really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. They keep saying the, the, uh, the governors and and the politicians keep saying they're going to follow the science, but
2: I haven't seen them follow the science yet so it's kind of a bizarre situation well i was share a little story here i was talking to a, a leftist and i she was asking me if i was wearing a mask and i told her that no i was not and anyone is perfectly fine i'm perfectly fine with them avoiding me until you know until they felt safe doing so but ultimately i asked her you know do you support me getting arrested for not wearing a mask and She was like, Yes, absolutely. You Hmm. should be arrested. And I said, So if I resist that arrest, should I have a knee on my neck? Hmm. And she didn't answer that. Hmm. But I think it's kind of telling like you're kind of conflicting those two things. Yes, I want control over the world. Oh, but knees on necks are an injustice. Ah, I don't know what to think. (laughs) It's. uh...
1: Yeah, defund the police, but then band-aid masks through police enforcement.
2: Yeah, it's there's no consistency. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly.
0: Like who's gonna, like you're saying, who's gonna enforce those laws? I mean, who enforces the laws in the first place? It's the police. Then you know, uh, being arrested calmly, that's totally fine. But then you know, if I get killed, oh, I'm totally not good for that. I mean, you can go out and protest in large groups and all this stuff. But don't, don't you worry. D-
2: we'll, yeah. Don't worry. We'll protest afterwards after you get killed.
0: <laughs> yeah, but don't you dare uh, not wear a mask in a grocery
1: store if it's been mandated. Because if you don't, hope you get fined and go to jail. Well, remember, if you're protesting the right thing, you're actually immune from yeah. all diseases, apparently. But if you're protesting for, you know, like I don't know, individual freedom, then you're a menace.
0: Well, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, then they, I can't. I think it was in Michigan. Then they do those. Uh, it was like a Second Amendment or some kind of protest up there or whatever. And people were saying, "Oh, look at all these freaking boogaloo white people!" Blah 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 blah, and complaining. And then they had these other protests. They're like, "Yeah, that's right. You go on protest. I'm with you." And it's just
2: so you can so, only, yeah. blatantly political bias, just yeah, blatantly. I, not just out bald face and and the, even pretending to be consistent.
0: Yeah, and, and the sad thing is, is that all three of us would agree. You know, police need to be more accountable. I mean, it maybe you know maybe like defund the police or get rid of the police, whatever. But in this, I mean, maybe maybe I'm just speaking for myself. But in this society that we're living in, I mean, we're not just going to get rid of the cops. And, you know, out of you know tomorrow, you know, there's we're still going to have a state force. So we kind of want to try and do something to, at the very least, give them more accountability. Don't. You know, if you turn off your camera, you're going to lose your job because that's part of your job is to have a body cam on at all times, not just, oh, I'm going to go to someone's house. I'll turn my camera off. And then once everything's done, I'll turn it back on. So no one will know what I did in there.
1: You know, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, what's the, what's the point of the body cams? You know, it's supposed to give them accountability, but if they can just turn them off, then that kind of defeats the whole purpose of it. Right. But, uh, I mean, my end state would be privatize it entirely, have competing agencies Working on providing better service, lower costs, uh, better quality. But in the meantime, I would work towards ending qualified immunity. I would end the drug okay. war. I would end um, this—you uh, know, uh, unwarranted, uh, warrantless like surveillance. All of those things just lead to altercations and investigations that are unnecessary and lead to people being involved with police when they otherwise wouldn't be. So.
0: I actually have a question about that. And I'm I, I don't know, maybe I'm stupid, but I, I think it's legit. I don't know. Like kind of with that, like with the privatizing the police force or just you know privatizing everything, but we'll just stick with the police since we're on that subject. So say for example, there you know, like you have competing companies, or you know, you can go and um have a private security force come out or whatever. But say there's like a murder and you know like cuz usually you know oh get a warrant or whatever so that private security force how are they going to investigate a murder if they have to go into someone's house to investigate but that homeowner says i I'm not, i don't want you in my house i don't want you to investigate but but they feel like i have to be in this house to investigate i don't know if i'm making any sense but how would they kind of go along like how would they kind of go around that in terms of in, investigating a, a murder case or just a police case in general
2: well if you if you knew that there was a murder in someone's house, would you feel justified breaking into that house to investigate it yourself? Well, I mean, if it doesn't have just
0: have to be a murder, it's just anything, you know, cause I mean, you, I mean, right. the government can pretty much get a warrant. However, you know, I mean, they to go sure. do whatever, but yeah. Like for, if there was a murder or just, you know, uh, we, uh, we feel like there's some kind of disturbance here, but that, you know, but then the person's like, nah, I'm good. Like private property, you know, this is my right. I don't want, I don't want you in my house, whatever. So I don't
2: know. Danny, you want me to tackle this one?
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, if you had competing agencies, it doesn't mean that they would um, not work uh, with each other at all or have any agreements in place. It, it would likely be something along the lines of an insurance model. Robert P. Murphy has a book called Chaos Theory. It's a very uh, short read, but it kind of outlines uh, how such a s- system would work. Um, Molyneux also had something along those lines. Um, Robert, do you recall the name of it? It was... Talking about DROs, the dispute resolution organizations. Uh,
2: Practical Anarchy, I think.
1: Yeah, that sounds right. And then also uh, Rothbard had a lot of articles related to privatizing the police or abolishing the police altogether and making it totally privatized. And he was talking about how uh, you would compare the current model to what it would look like privatized with competing agencies and how much better served uh, customers would be. Because you would actually be a customer of that, uh, of those companies rather than as subject of uh, the control, which is basically kind of how they're, they're working today. So, it, and it also doesn't necessarily mean that like we're gonna have the definite answers. One right. of the great things about the market is that there's innovation and there's different things that are tried and the things that went out and are uh, most productive, most efficient generally uh, become the norm and things move forward uh, You know, in the, the best quality and the lowest price. And there's also a wide variety of options available. I was
0: basically asking that question to give you a little softball. Here, here's a little (laughs) softball. There you go.
1: (laughs) Here's a softball question Uh, What's your philosophical take on uh, (laughs) legal systems and justice? Yeah, exactly. How would crime be handled? Yeah, that, that, I mean, there's entire, uh, there's entire shows devoted to that.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, like kind of going back to uh, what you said, Robert, about like, if there was a murder in, in someone's house, like, would you be comfortable kind of the, is that what you're saying? Breaking into their house to be like,
2: why, you know, or whatever, like, yeah. like if, yeah. if you're dealing with somebody who's like, hey, this is my private property, but you have very strong evidence to suggest that they've done, done something nefarious in that property. Yeah. It's really saying that, you know, well, what would happen in the case of they're not being police Mm -hmm. Well, the police have the same right as everybody else, like you, me, or anybody else. So if you feel justified breaking into that house to find out if there really is something nefarious happening in that house, then anybody else would too. So you, me, a private defense agency, your grandma, somebody down the street, it doesn't really matter just because you put a badge on somebody and say, oh, they have the right to initiate force. That doesn't give them the moral right to break into someone's house. It's all dependent on the, the evidence you have to suggest that you think something immoral is happening in there. Well, I guess that's why they say get a warrant, right? Can't just kick into my house. And
0: also with a no knock warrants or whatever, that's why, you know, I think I can't remember who it was. I like grandpa put in that bill saying, oh, we need to end these no knock warrants. And then like you're saying, end qualified immunity. I mean, it's just, it's just like simple things. I think that, because I do see some people saying that, well, we need qualified immunity because then people won't want to be cops anymore. Or something like that. Like how? Like, like if someone said that to you, it's like, well, if we end qualified immunity, then police officers don't wouldn't want to be cops anymore. Well, that, doesn't that kind of just uh, prove to to me that you're saying to me, well, a cop can get away with anything they want. Just sign me up. Let's do it. You know, yeah, that's what kind of what you're basically saying. You know,
1: it yeah. does seem to be the you know how the evidence generally goes, or how just those don't break cases the law. generally go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't break the
0: law. Yeah, how many laws are in the books? I don't know. Like a thousands, thousands, and thousands of laws. I'm I'm sure every day we're doing something that we're probably breaking some law that we don't even know, some obscure law. Like you're you're eating ice cream on a Saturday at three o'clock in the afternoon, illegal in
1: the state of Tennessee or whatever. Or some you know because they have those weird laws or something like that. But yeah, there's like um, there's a book. Uh, it's Harvey Silverman. He's a lawyer, uh, and it's basically everyone on average breaks about three felonies a day, commits three felonies a day, wow. and. I think I calculated how many or I looked up recently how many pages in the federal register are, uh, you know, laws and regulations on the federal level. And it's something along the lines of 80,000 pages with Jeez. which if you calculate that out, it's like um, a third of a football field in in uh, thickness. Oh, my gosh. That's so crazy. Good luck reading all that and knowing what all the rules are and finding, uh, you know, them to be not contradictory, uh, as I'm sure. Uh, many people can come up with examples of contradictory laws. Uh, and, you know, there you go. And you know, the sad thing about just with that information alone, like if the war on
0: drugs was over or just like they ended it, that would probably get rid of what, maybe like 10, 15% of that. There's still a bunch of other laws and rules that people have to follow. It, that, that's crazy. <laughs> that's a ridiculous amount of laws in the books that, you know, most people know like the usual, you know, don't kill someone, don't steal whatever. But then it's like, Oh, you know, if you go into some, you know, you can't have it, you can't buy alcohol after 12 o'clock or some stupid, I don't know, some dumb law or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. The whole thing is just ridiculous. Can you just, I'm just thinking like imagining like all the people in the house or like some state legislature be like, so we're going to vote on, uh, what the requirement is for the length of, a uh, cardboard that is able to be used on such and such property uh, who votes for two feet, say I, and it's just like, what, what are we doing? Like what kind of, like what kind of laws are on the books that are just probably like, I would say half of those are probably like stupid. Maybe, maybe some yeah. of them I can understand, but there's some that are just like, why is this even here?
2: Yeah. Well, would, that's would, the thing would, about, yeah. A lot of laws is they, they make sense maybe at the time to a few yeah. people, but then they quickly get outdated by the market. Or right. any number of other reasons. I don't know. So, I don't
0: know. The whole thing is just crazy. Um, so I, I wanted to go back to the, uh, the the movie story because I had another article that I wanted to um, share with you guys that it, it kind of it, it it relates to the theaters, but it also relates to the pandemic, but it also kind of relates to just the um, just the economy in general. I think it kind of coincides with it. Cause you know, like with the bailouts and all that stuff. So like with this one, it says um like AMC theaters Inc deal to help it survive pandemic. So it's, you know, and then the under here it says investors will pump $300 million of new money into the movie chain. So it's kind of like saying, well, we want this thing to survive. I mean, how long is it going to survive? Who knows? But it kind of, it kind of like relates to just, Oh, the, uh, the economy is about to collapse. Uh We'll just print out more money. It'll be okay.
2: Yeah. Well, at least yeah. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: At least this one, uh, I assume, is private investors. So I mean, that's that's a leg up. Um, a lot of uh, these types of arguments are generally around. Let's get uh, more stimulus money. Like I, I got a uh, an email from a music industry website slash magazine, and they were put promoting this thing. Like, oh, save um, you know live performance venues uh, sign this petition, uh, it automatically has this letter and you're just adding your name to it. And it's about getting, uh, money for live venues to get bailout money in the next round of stimulus. And that was like yeah. their answer to, you know, these, these businesses not being permitted to run, not being able to operate. And they're already on like pretty low margins. I would imagine. Uh, we just did, uh, uh, recently an episode with Pete Quinones, formerly known as Mance Raider the free man beyond the mall podcast on Casablanca and uh, Rick's is the, uh, the venue that's that he's running Humphrey Bogart's running and the prefect uh, Louis Renault, the, the police prefect, the French guy, he shuts down their business on orders of the German uh, Colonel who's there. And Rick has this conversation with what the major D or the head, head uh, operations guy. It's like how long can i op- how, how long can i last on the money we have uh being shut down and the numbers were like two to three weeks that was it that's all they could afford and this was a profitable business that was busy it had a side gambling operation with lots of money coming in and even with that it could only
2: last for a couple of weeks without being permitted to be open now that is obviously in the movie script but it is indicative of probably some businesses much like that Um, propping up of the movie theaters kind of reminds me of the propping up of not necessarily propping up, but I don't know the, the, the best wishes and hopes of saving like the the American mall industry. Like we we recently nearby me, well, I guess where where Dan and I kind of grew up, there's a, there's a mall that has been changing hands fairly recently, quite a few times. And it's being sold for significant amounts of money, and it just seemed like, man, these 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 industries these these places are dying. They're facing massive uh, competition from places like Walmart, Costco, and Target, and those kind of things, and just online, Amazon, uh, all kinds of whatever else online dealers, and it just seems like. I'm not against obviously private investment. If they think they're gonna be able to weather the storm and all of a sudden there's gonna be a big resurgence in the movie theater market. Mm-hmm. But to me, it just seems like you're 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 hoping without hope that somehow Americans are gonna or worldwide people are gonna return to theaters. And I, I just think it's it just seems to me like false hopes that these these things are just doomed to be relics of the past and then that space will be used for more productive purposes. I don't know.
1: Yeah, and, and Shane, your idea of maybe it becomes more of a nostalgia thing, like there will yeah. still be a place for this for people who want to do the dinner in a movie and the popcorn and all that, or like you take your kids to a movie and you kind of have that memory or you want to make that memory for them. So I think there's probably a place for that. Just like when automobiles came about, you know, horse and buggies didn't go away completely. They just went down from, you know, dominant to uh, just a few percent. Uh yeah. Uh, But, you know, there's still like roller skating rinks uh, and bowling alleys and and things kind of like nostalgically still hang hang around from time to time. Things make it come back a little bit uh, and they fit into a bit of a niche market rather than being more pervasive. And that's probably where we're headed with with this, even after like recovery from the pandemic.
0: Well, also, too, when you're talking about shopping malls and all that, I mean, most people do online shopping and all that stuff. And anytime you go past like a Kohl's or a Macy's or something like that, there's, you know, it's not that, that there's not that many people in there, you know, cause eh, I can just get this online or it's cheaper online or something like that. Or I don't feel like going out shopping or anything like that, unless it's something that you want right now. That's probably maybe the only reason why anyone would go to the malls. they want that thing right there. And then, or it's like an impulse buy that they're in a shop and they go, Oh yeah, I'll get this. Whatever. Cool. Cool. I have money to
2: spend, whatever, you know, but or it's like a social thing that people do together. Like you yeah. go out with your girlfriends and they right. go out and yeah, shopping.
0: Oh, yeah. Also with the yeah. like the movie theater or whatever, you know, this is, Hey, you want to oh, oh, go on a date, going to have a movie theater and dinner or whatever. But now it's like Netflix and chill. So you just go to someone's house and hope you don't get raped or something like that. You know? so Yeah. <laughs> that's always the hope, I guess. Right.
1: And you go to I mean, house? Usually
0: yeah. Netflix and chill. It's usually something that's like a joke where Netflix and chill doesn't that just ultimately mean eh, we're gonna have sex. Right. Like we'll think, watch some, I yeah, we'll, have, we'll watch yeah. some bad movie or something, and then hey, that was pretty funny, right? All right, let's 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 get on with it. Let's just do this. All right, let's go.
1: Yeah, but you know it is interesting to see these kind of things happen uh, because they're sort of like things are already in motion, and then this is just accelerating it. Sort of like how like the minimum wage being raised uh, will incentivize businesses into finding less uh, employee or labor intensive uh, solutions because it becomes more, it pencils out sooner. Like yeah. the more you have to pay the employees by decree, then the more it makes sense to invest in technology to automate. And so it accelerates. And I think that that's what the pandemic's doing. These shutdowns are an accelerant on trends that were already kind of happening.
0: Yeah, but you gotta fight for 15 because people aren't getting paid $12 an hour. So got to fight for 15, right? Fight the power.
2: Why not 100? A few remaining people that actually have jobs to get those 15. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. You know, but you're, you're right though, because like, I mean, it's so, know, for me, it's just what you just said is just basic, but then some people don't, I guess they just don't understand that, or maybe they know some things we don't know. I don't know. But to me, like, yeah, like you're saying, why not 100 or whatever? Because then employees aren't going to hire as many people. Because before, say, for example, you had five employees, you can pay each of them like $10 for, you know, $50 total to them. But then with $15 uh, dollars an hour or something, now you can only afford three people to work because originally you had 15 and now – or you had five people you could pay for $50 evenly. Now that you only have $50, you can only afford three because it's 15. I have 15, 30, 45. So they got less employees means less people with a job I don't know. Maybe I'm stupid. I don't know. I, I mean, what am I missing with the people who are saying that Oh, if you fight for 15, more people will have a livable income, whatever. But then you also have to realize that yes, you can have $15 an hour, but that also means prices will increase, you know, for like groceries will increase because they have to kind of compensate or you have to, um, they have to balance their, budgets or whatever i mean if you were if you used to be like a like a delivery driver for pizza they will literally let you go for that day because hey we're making we're not making enough money we have too many people on labor so we're gonna have to let some of you go home
2: early i don't know shane all i know is math is racist and you're just saying about the bullshit
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean the thing about uh minimum wage and other regulations like that they're not actually creating any jobs all they're doing is setting a bar by which no job that's less than this amount is permitted, and so you're just eliminating jobs and you're eliminating um, opportunities for people who might not have uh, acquired skills or experience already, and you're putting more work on people who are being paid that slightly higher wage uh, because now there's not two or three people doing the job now there's you know one or two people doing the same uh, you know jobs and so there's more work being requested and required of the people who are actually being hired. And uh, really, you're just using force to prevent people from having jobs. And I don't think that that's beneficial just on a moral level, uh, but there are a whole bunch of economic arguments against it. Uh, And most people who support minimum wages, they'll point to studies that say, oh, there's actually no uh, correlation with uh, unemployment and uh, higher minimum wages. But most of those studies are pretty, pretty flawed, like they're not isolating the variables or comparing uh, very closely. Like if there's a general rise in employment just overall, and then there just happens to also be uh, an increase in the minimum wage, they'll point to that and be like, look, see, there was no loss in jobs, but what they're not counting is the counterfactual of how many more jobs would have been created had they not imposed this artificial higher price on something. Just think of it, anything that you buy you know, multiples of if the price of that thing goes up by double, how many more or less are you going to buy? Even if it's something that you like and you use and, and you want to buy, mm-hmm. if you have to spend more money to get it, then how much you know less are you going to be able to afford to buy? And that's what that's what an employer is going to look at. Like, how much does it cost me to have this person work for me and do this job? Is it worth it?
2: Yeah. Businesses don't have an infinite amount of labor money. They've got a certain amount of money that they have to pay for labor. And you just have infinite employees. It it boggles the mind. Yeah. But you know, the rich have to pay their fair share, right? I mean,
0: Jeff Bezos, he can give all his employees, you know, however much money, because that guy's a billionaire or trillionaire, however much he's worth. I mean, he can give all his money to all the employees if he wants. I mean, come on.
1: Yeah, what is the number um that is fair? Uh I think it's something along the um the richest 10% pay like the 90% of the taxes or something like that. You're a liar. Um, liar. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? You're crazy. You know, Sol, uh, he just turned 90. He has this great quote. It's like, um, uh, what's what's
2: my fair share of what you earned? Hmm. I don't know. Nothing. Wow, racist.
1: I know. It's the worst. Anyway, uh, did you have another movie question?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I, I was getting into this economic stuff. This is pretty fun. Yeah. You know, talking about all the, you know, business and stuff like that. I mean, it's just, I mean, to me, it's, it just seems like basic, not even just, you know, economics in one lesson. Where I mean, there was a I I actually was thinking about there was a book that's called Economics in Two Lessons or something like that, where it's like a critique of that book. I was kind of interested in actually reading that. Yeah, let's see. I kind of want to know what that is. Just to see what they have to say about what um you know what that book got wrong or whatever. But anyway, um yeah, so I don't know just that that was just uh interesting to hear about. You know, I mean, I don't know, for me it's just I would just think it's like basic stuff, you know. I mean, yeah. it, but well, a lot of people too, I think people just maybe they don't they they just don't um I don't know. Maybe they, I mean, it sounds good on paper, I guess, or maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But I mean, you know, when you, when you, someone goes from 12 to 15, that, that sounds nice. You know, Oh shit. Three more dollars an hour. Great. This is awesome. But then, you know, like you were saying, instead of having like three or four people, it's just one or two. So I know we're kind of reiterating the same thing, but it's, it just seems like that's, basic stuff but i don't know I maybe mean, i just haven't died more into it i have no idea i don't
2: know well economics really is very very basic but we live in a world where especially this country well most countries where you have central banks and banking systems right. like federal reserves that print money and borrow money and tax money and you know, they just completely mess with the the interest rate on money and they, they just do every means at their disposal to make it seem very complicated, very difficult, like people don't understand how it's happening, what's what's actually going on. So I don't necessarily blame too many people for not having, you know, much of an understanding of this stuff. Right. And then it's
1: the scene and the end scene. Like most people probably won't look beyond just the very shallow, like, oh, this is intended to help. Oh, look, they're gonna get $3 more an hour or whatever, but they don't have to look at the downstream effects of that or what the alternative um, would have been, mm-hmm. you know, working it out logically deductively. So it's really kind of an unfortunate situation because people seem to have shorter and shorter attention spans, there's more and more social media echo chambers like we're talking about and the media is almost criminally negligent in uh, misinforming people. Uh, so really, uh, you, ha- you almost have to like have a keen interest in this stuff to really get it, even though it does seem simple for people who are kind of already steeped in it. And if you like how we're jumping around and then going down these rabbit trails of economics and stuff, it's Mm -hmm. kind of what
2: we do on the show. So (laughs) (laughs) what are these guys even talking about? I don't know, but it's kind of interesting.
0: I don't know. Like, you know, like with Trump and his economic stuff, I mean, Paul Krugman calls him a racist all the time. And it's just, but this guy's, he has a federal, you know, he's doing what you would like, right? I mean, he's printing more money. He's raising the, I don't know. I don't really know a whole lot about it, but it's just like this motherfucker has a, Nobel peace prize in economics, but I don't like, what has he, I don't know what he done to, I don't know. Just it's, I don't know. I, the whole thing is just crazy. That's all I'm going to say about that. I mean, I, I, it's almost as if like, it's over, you know, like the whole economic stuff is over. I mean, like, it's like, like I can understand too with people saying, and I know we agree on, on this too, where, you know, like the defense budget should be low we shouldn't be spending all the you know, billions and billions of dollars with, you know, weapon sales and all this stuff to other countries. And especially countries that we are, apparently we shouldn't even be friends with or whatever. But, you know, instead of the, that money being in defense, quote unquote defense, um, you know, it should go into more social programs and, you know, like healthcare and all this stuff. And when I hear arguments like that, like when I hear that, I'm like, I can understand where you're coming from because, you know, I don't know of a hospital that's going to, I mean, unless you're like Dr. Kevorkian or something like that, you're not going to like intentionally kill someone that's your patient. So maybe if you feel like, well, if they did have more advanced technology and more money pumped into the healthcare system or some social programs or, I mean, education even, I don't know. Like I can understand why they would say that because with defense, it's just, I don't keep saying defense, but military, I should really say military budget, but it's just, you know, they're doing all this, you know, they're in the wars and all that stuff and they're killing people and all that. So I can understand why they would want to transfer. I know it's like a transfer of wealth, but they're, they want to transfer that money from the military budget and to spread it out to, you know, education, healthcare, care. Um, I don't know, stuff like that. So, I mean, like, what do you think about that type of mentality?
1: Well, are you arguing from a, like a bleeding heart liberal kind of perspective? Like a bleeding heart liberal. I mean, I see
0: people that would probably classify themselves as not a fan of capitalism, even saying that type of stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Well, I mean, years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's
1: kind of where Robert and I were kind of growing up. We were Mm -hmm. sort of left leaning in that, in that vein. Mm -hmm. But uh, since then we've become uh, radical abolition, abolitionists. We don't think that there should be any budget for anything. Uh, Yeah that's collectivized, uh, through extortion.
2: So I'd leave yeah, everything to the market. It's all a very much, a tinkering. The, the status love to tinker. They love to move, adjust this little here and just that little there, and somehow arrive at this ideal society by not addressing any of the actual fundamental causes of what's why everything's so fucked up. it's um i think it's brought about just by a a lack of understanding of the the nature of mankind yeah that's true um so i have
0: uh one more movie story and then uh, we're going into some couple of weird news stories i have for you guys to check out it's pretty good um but this one is uh kind of ties in to the previous movie story that we talked about uh so the headline is AMC Cinemark and Regal movie theaters sue New Jersey governor over closures. And of course, uh, New Jersey governor as of now is Phil Murphy, which I know he, uh, you know, Democrat, so whatever. Uh, but apparently it's, um, it alleges the failure to allow theaters to reopen while houses of worship and other public entities are allowed to con- uh, allow to constitute a violation of the theater's rights to free speech, equal protection and due process. Um so I mean it seems like movie theaters aren't considered essential services just you know other, other than uh like you know places of worship and other public entities as it says here in the article I guess they would be considered essential which I mean I get like I would totally be okay with you know houses of worship being considered essential I mean you know a lot of people's um their religious beliefs is very important to them so I can understand why they want to do that but I I guess I guess for that that kind of just goes back to like the nostalgia type of thing, whatever, like they're trying to keep this going, but for how long is it going to be staying up?
2: I mean, who knows? Well, I love this kind of story. Um, First of all, I would say that there are no unessential jobs. If you're feeding your family with your income, I I think that's your, it's an essential thing. Right. But it reminds me of the um, Chaz chop situation and why that ultimately ended. Um, The, there's a coalition of Capitol Hill businesses Mm -hmm. that filed a class action lawsuit against mayor Jenny Durkins, And like the next day she sent in the cops and broke the whole place up. Mm. It's uh, ultimately, I'm sure it'll get paid for by tax dollars to refund those. If those people do end up getting some money, but I, I like that they're actually it's i mean it sends a signal right it's not it's not like marching down the street yeah and whatever but it um and it'll probably get thrown out or they'll lose but at least it sends a signal that oh we are, i might actually be liable for and of course they're not actually liable but it kind of seems like oh there are people that are going to take the step in this measure to actually show how much damage we're doing to everybody by shutting everything down
1: hmm. yeah I'd, I'd agree with a lot of that and also it's it's interesting because i think a lot of states were saying that uh, places of worship and even funerals and things like that were not being permitted at this time but if you know peaceful protests were if you're protesting the right thing right. uh but what's weird i mean new jersey apparently is per that article, allowing uh, places of worship to still operate. So then the movie theaters are saying, well, we're not being treated equally under the law. And they're absolutely right. But also these essential versus non-essential, it's totally arbitrary. Mm -hmm. And it also seems as if it's the entrenched interests utilizing this new nomenclature for protectionism. So you'll notice that the, the places that are open are the big box stores, the Costco's, the Walmart's, the Target's whereas the mom and pops and, and all of those types in, in most of these areas are shut down. yeah. And so it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. those entrenched interests who have the, um, the ear of politicians and, or they have more uh, capacity to like meet these requirements or even dictate what these requirements are, knowing that their competitors are not able to uh, meet those requirements. And so it's a way of kind of pushing them out and, uh, enforcing them from being able to operate uh, at to their benefit. So it's really an unfortunate situation. And, and you see this all the time uh, with most regulatory bodies and, and uh, the revolving door of politicians uh, on these bodies and, and uh, then going into the private sector and working for these large co- companies.
0: Yeah, it seems like, uh, you know, like Amazon is still able to function perfectly fine throughout this whole thing. Kind of makes you go, hmm, that's kind of interesting. Like Amazon can do whatever they want. Walmart can kind of do whatever they want. Hmm." Like they're still continuing their wealth, but then like you're saying, mom and pop stores or even smaller shops or whatever, have to worry about if they're still going to be open next week or something like that. So, I mean, in in a, in a way you can kind of, you know, it's like, like it's, it's like a corporation, a big time corporation friendly type of thing that's going on right now.
1: Yeah. In a way, I mean, we, we've talked about this on our show recently where um, Costco requires masks. And, you know, if it's their their house, their rules, I'm, I'm okay with it, I guess. I don't necessarily agree with their reasoning behind it. But yeah. if that's their rules and I want to go there and, and it actually prevents me from wanting to go there. But when, when they then sat next to the governor of our state uh, and praised his mandating that every business enforce a mask, that's where it crossed the line for me. That's where they were imposing something they're already doing an additional hardship on everyone else and thus eliminating a competitive advantage that those other businesses now had against Costco because Costco was requiring masks and perhaps they were not. And as a consumer, if you didn't want to have to wear a mask, you would go somewhere else. Well, now they're mandating masks statewide and Costco supported that. And uh, so, yeah, it's just a way of like, I don't want to use the term leveling the playing field because it's not really what's happening. It's, It's they're imposing something that is an additional burden and it removes an advantage that that other players in the market had, uh, through, you know, the force of government.
0: Hmm. Yeah. That, that's an interesting way of putting it for sure. Um, I mean, then you see those videos of people saying, well, I'm not going to wear a mask They're, like shoving the employee and being real, you know, aggressive and just being mean, I guess. So, I mean, I don't know, like, like seeing like, videos like that, it kind of just makes you just be like, man, this maybe the society just need, maybe just do need a meteor just blow everything up and start over again you know? giant
1: meteor 2020 yeah exactly
0: <laughs> um yeah so okay so i got a couple of uh weird news stories here or at least funny to me and so i hope you find them funny as well but to me they're pretty funny um so the first story that i have here it's it's kind of i mean maybe the wording isn't that great it's kind of it seems kind of uh Maybe, you know, when we go into it, it'll be a little more uh, cohesive, whatever. But so uh, Alabama Senate leaders coronavirus plan is get sick and try not to die. So if you can. I'm
2: guessing that's not what he actually
0: said. (laughs) I mean, well, it it does say this is an opinion column. I just thought it was kind of funny. But so. Uh, it seems okay. So, I'm going to read a little bit from this article, and it says Alabama Senate pro tem Del Marsh hopes more people get the coronavirus. That might seem like over the top conjecture, but it's not. It might seem unbelievable, but it's real. Those are his words this week. He said them on purpose in front of a scrum of reporters and TV cameras. He meant it. I mean, again, this is an opinion, so who knows? Um, So on Thursday, a TV reporter asked him arguably the most powerful member of the Alabama legislature and perhaps the most powerful elected official in Alabama, whether he was concerned about the sudden rise of coronavirus cases in the state. And he said he wasn't. And then his uh, his quote says, I'm not as concerned so much as the number of cases. In fact, quite honestly, I want to see more people because I want to see more people because we start reaching an immunity if more people have it and get through it. Um
2: well he's not wrong yeah that's yeah. how you get herd immunity you get you have young healthy people get it and then get over it or even not having a reaction to it and then they're immune and then yeah that's that's what happens yeah there's
1: certainly a bias in this article uh, it seems to be blaming them for being rednecks and i've heard the term um spreadnecks. Because they're all for spreading the virus uh, yeah. and their country bumpkin kind of way. But yeah, as far as I understand it, uh, the number of cases is also kind of an interesting point. Because, well, are they measuring cases the same way they've been measuring cases all along? Or have they changed it in various areas? And it seems to me that at least in um, at least in Texas, where you are, Shane, yeah. that they've changed the definition of what a case is. And so now uh, there was a PowerPoint that came out uh, that was... I think, advice to medical pr- practitioners, where they used to count a uh, positive case uh, if you tested positive. And what they've been doing now is if you test positive, then they'll go back and contract trace and say, all right, who you've been in contact with for the past two weeks, and they'll count them as probables. And that all rolls up to the case to count. And then also every test, um, even though it's for the same person, if they do multiple tests on you and multiples of them are positive, they'll count each one of those as a case. So there's all sorts of issues that are sort of gaming the numbers, it seems, and uh, that that doesn't even get into the uh, with the well documented, like dying with COVID rather than of COVID. Uh, there have been reports of people dying of gunshot wounds uh, marked as COVID deaths. So they're they're kind of juicing the numbers uh, however they want to get the outcome that they're looking for. And it's
2: kind of a gross perversion of science, I think. Yeah, and the and the narrative keeps changing. If the media was honest, they wouldn't start off with saying, well, it's deaths, and then it's the curve, right. and then now it's cases. It, it seems like the media is always talking about whatever is the highest, whatever is the scariest, whatever is going to get the most clicks. Right. And that just breeds outrage and alarm to something that has a 99% survival rate. Yeah, and in fact,
1: if, if you back out the states that had governor orders of putting COVID-positive patients, the elderly, uh, back in the nursing homes into the most vulnerable populations, which were the majority of the deaths have been, uh, if you back those out and just look at the rest of the country where they did not do that, then this is far less uh, case fatality rate than the flu. Because the, the bulk of those deaths are in those states where they did things like that, like Governor Cuomo in New York. Right. And most of the deaths are in elderly populations or people who had comorbidities. And uh, a lot of those are because they were forced to accept those those people who were affected by that uh, and put them into the most at-risk populations. Well, I mean, that's a recipe for disaster and I'm not surprised that it, it ended up the way that it did.
2: Okay, so let me ask you guys this question. If Biden wins in November, does corona go away? And if Trump wins in November, do we have four more years of corona?
0: Hmm. Well, I mean, Biden's been wearing his mask, right? So I, I would I would probably say they, they would probably still report it, but I don't think it would be as prevalent as if Trump gets reelected. Because like you we were saying, before it was deaths and then flatten the curve and now cases, they keep – moving the goalpost or, you know, cause I mean, we see the death numbers continuing to go down. The case numbers are skyrocketing apparently. And then with the counting of the deaths from, I've heard that hospitals will actually get funding for, for higher numbers of cases or deaths or probably both, I believe
1: yeah if they market as a case, they get uh, a certain amount, and then if they put someone on a ventilator, they get right. a certain amount and so there's I'm not saying that they're going to go and say, "Hey, we want to you know get more money, so we're going to do this, but I think that there's less resistance yeah to making that choice, especially if they know they're going to get twenty, thirty thousand dollars as a result um
0: but yeah to to answer the question that you're saying i think I think it won't be as uh, prevalent. If uh, Biden wins and if Trump wins, it will still be, you know, they'll probably
2: think of some other Russia Gate story. I'm sure, you know. Well, you'd only have to look at the misleading news articles that are like coronavirus number spike after Trump rally. It's like right. the next day or something. It's like yeah. there's no incubation period. Or
1: well, yeah, and of, then conversely, like, they'll have like there's no evidence that the peaceful protests have contributed to increasing right. case counts. Right. And yeah, and then let's take it at face value. Oh, see, the this the article said that there's no there's no uh there's no case to be to be said here. So go screw yourself, have a nice day. You yeah, know, you know, if you actually read that article, they're they're pointing to the fact that other people stayed home as a result of the protests being out there. So it's not necessarily hmm. that the protests themselves they weren't spreading, it's that more people were not interacting otherwise, and that it more than offset the increase in cases as a result of the uh, people protesting. So it's a totally misleading uh, headline that people don't read the article and it's so common. I mean, most people don't even read the articles. And even if you do like nine out of 10 articles are going to be garbage anyway, but uh, even, even within the article itself, it it counters their argument that they're making with the headline.
0: Well, also going with with the Trump rally, they were saying Trump's doing a rally and he's going to have all his people there and Man, this cra- I can't believe he's gonna have so many people there. This is crazy. What do you want his supporters to die? And then they found out it wasn't it, it wasn't so great in terms of the numbers or as what they were expecting. And they're like, "Ha ha, you didn't get so many people in your r- rally. Ha ha, screw you, Trump. You're so funny."
2: So it's just I don't know. It's just yeah, it's endless goalposts changing and winning no matter what it, if you control the narrative, right? You know. and
0: that's why Michael Malice says the corporate press is the enemy of the people. So and I can totally understand where he's coming from on that one for sure because it's just I don't know. You really, really have to do your. I mean, it's it, it, it's it's not impossible, but it's like you really have to do a lot of your own like research. I think I know you hear that like oh just do your own research. Like you, you you really can't just take a CNN headline and be like see true Fox News see see
1: Trump's the greatest president of all time. Told you,
0: you know. So yeah,
1: yeah, and this is why the uh, you know, the social media policing of thought. Uh, the, with the fact checking is so like gross and weird because they're supposed to be the arbiters of truth. Well, I mean, that's been a philosophical question going back a couple thousand years. Like what is truth? And here they are, you know, Zuckerberg's going to make some, uh, some algorithm, like be able to
2: figure that out. Um, yeah, I think that's suspect. I mean, hey, hey, I saw the social network, Daniel, that guy's really, really smart. So he can <laughs> it's do a good it. movie. It's a great
0: movie. Um, yeah. I mean that whole like news stuff that hasn't it's not like it just started in 2016 the the, the media has been like this forever you know so but i think a lot of people are kind of ignorant to that they think that just because trump's president the media just suddenly did a switch and said oh this is the crazy worst thing ever and they're totally terrible against the president or or whatever like it's been like this forever so i think i don't know in my opinion i think people are being pretty ignorant to that but i can i can definitely understand people saying well it's definitely skyrocketed, especially with social media being so you know used and everyone's pretty much not everybody but a lot of people are on it so it's definitely something that i think screams out like you were saying with what is truth you know like didn't joe biden say something stupid like we we, we want truth instead of facts or something like that i don't know some of his blunders that he's been talking in the campaign
2: trail or something like that it's just whatever you know whatever yeah from my experiences of dealing with leftists lately it's very much confirmation bias that the the news you look at is the sane news and the news that other people look at is the crazy news and they're just being programmed by the crazy news as if you can't just watch news and judge it for yourself and right. not just accept what's being said. You know, I mean, everybody I'm sure thinks that they look at news and can discern the truth out of the articles and the news and headlines but they think everybody else is being programmed by it. Mm-hmm. Now there is some truth to that, but I, I don't know. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm just skeptical of everything. So yeah. And it's, it's healthy to,
0: uh, to be skeptical, you know, of your government, of what someone's telling you. I mean, I think that's a healthy thing, right? But some people I mean, don't think so.
1: To a point. <laughs> I mean, you can't just go full nihilist and not believe anything true, ever. Yeah, yeah, true, for sure.
0: Um, okay, so I got one more story, and then uh, we'll end it. Right. Uh, so the last story we have is uh, it's from The Guardian, and it says New York's hungry rats torment alfresco diners after lockdown famine. And uh, it looks like a surge in rat activity as city starts to open outdoor restaurants. Last night, a customer had a baby rat running on his shoe. So, because of the lockdowns, the rats didn't know, you know, didn't have anything to eat or a lot to eat. But now that the restaurants are starting to open back up, rats are like, "Oh, this is field day! Here we go!" And now everyone's complaining. I mean, I complain too if it was, if a rat was by me. I mean, I'd be kind of like sick, right? Um, and this is in New York City, and a plague of rats—not just the coronavirus plague, but a plague of rats—is now starting to infest the city. I mean, just more stuff for New York City to deal with, right?
1: Well, this is the same thing that, uh, you know, you shut down all the mom and pops and then uh, you just have fewer locations for people to be able to go to like Walmart and Target and Costco to go shopping. Similar here where the rats used to have a wide variety of restaurants and places Mm -hmm. to go and and, uh, scavenge for food. And I don't know if your audience, uh, if everyone's familiar, if you've been to New York, they put the garbage actually physically on the sidewalks. And then every night the sanitation department comes and picks it up. So it's normal for rats to have a wide variety of garbage and things to go through. And there's thousands and thousands of restaurants normally open. And so you would spread out the rat population amongst many thousands of restaurants. Well, how many restaurants are closed right now? What percentage? I don't know, but I would imagine that there's probably far fewer restaurants open at this time than would normally otherwise be open. So now the rats have to go to fewer restaurants, but there's the same number of rats. And so they're gonna congregate more and be in higher concentrations in fewer establishments at least that's my reading of that story
2: or that headline what do you think robert no i would i tend to agree although i would also wonder just how much of an onslaught it is i mean i know that people write the write news articles and they like to write the most salacious and outrageous headlines so maybe one or two rats attacked somebody one time and now all of a sudden there's a plague of rats according to the article uh I would tend to uh, believe that the truth is somewhere in the middle. Well, maybe that's
1: like the next uh, month's theme. You know, like every month has had a theme of like the
2: the <laughs> type gators. Of yeah. Then there was the what the was fires it? in Australia. The the the, the bats? No, wasn't murder okay. hornets. Murder yeah, hornets. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, and then
1: a... and, yeah, and then there was the uh, the protest was I think June and. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what July was or is, but
0: Kanye apparently rang for president. That's mm-hmm. July, I think. That was like the big thing for a while.
2: <laughs> He'll get yeah. some
0: votes. He'll get votes. Yeah, I mean Joe Jorgensen's like, oh my gosh, what I got to do to be a third party nominee? Come on now, shit.
2: <laughs>
0: um, you know, I was gonna say something, and I can't remember what it was. Great, thanks, memory. Mm-hmm. Terrible. Anyway, uh, so just want to go ahead and uh, end it there. Um, you know, I, I want to thank you guys for coming on and for uh, you know talking about all the good movie stuff that I had for you guys and for your opinions. And uh, I'm sure once once uh, I'll start recording, I'll
2: remember exactly what I was going to a- ask you guys. That's usually how it goes, right? That's why uh, we do bonus content after the show for, for try and remember. Oh yeah, there's that one thing I wanted to mention. You know there what? Is. Maybe
0: we should maybe we should do that. Maybe I should just have like some. You know, I'll just record until we're done, and then, or until my computer is almost dead or something. And then there's your there's your Patreon Subscribestar content because we do have a Patreon and a subscribe if you're interested in supporting us. Um, but yeah, again, thanks guys for coming on and uh, talking about all this good stuff. And yeah, so if you guys want to plug anything, uh, go ahead.
1: All right, have at it, Robert.
2: Well, Daniel we do the actual anarchy podcast. We also are the last nighters. You can uh, check out our merchandise at trubster.com. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it. I, we're not too active on the social media, but you might be able to catch us out on our uh, private Facebook page. You can join up with that, with, uh, some, with uh, what? Supporters, I think, right, Daniel?
1: Yeah, we got some supporting uh, member pages that are for Patreon subscribers and things like that. We also have just a standard Facebook page where we post the episodes. Uh, We come out once a week with a new movie and usually a guest. Um, Shane, you've been a guest, as you said, for Police Story. We'd love to have you back again in the near future. And uh, yeah, we just keep on plugging along. ActualEnergy.com, LastNighters.com. And uh, yeah, hit us up. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on and uh, we will see you in the
0: next one.